the whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching the outside of the sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. I knew this was breaking news for the front page of the New York Times. My gosh. We need to accept that we are not alone in the universe. The federal government all these years has covered up everything. It's very, very bad for our country. There have been visitation, crashed craft, material recovered. It was not anything from this earth. All I could do is keep a mouth shut. The public has a right to know. There's a tremendous resistance. I guarantee every one of them knows that this event happened. Hiding these dark secrets, even from elected presidents. They came running up here in such a panic. Sean can't make it up. Declassified government documents confirm ongoing UFO incursions at nuclear weapons sites. Are you saying that there's some evidence that still hasn't seen the light of day? I'm saying most of it hasn't seen the light of day. These things are real. They're here. This is happening now. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. As always, my name is Andy and this is episode 20 of That UFO Podcast. There have been 43 or 44 releases of the show and roundtables, bonus episodes, you know, different things like that. But this is episode 20 of the show. And I do have a rather special guest with me on the show. Uh, I never told him this was episode 20 before we started recording, but I thought it'd be nice to share it with him that episode 20, Dan, or as you may know, I'm at The Signal on Twitter. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here for episode 20. I know episode 20, just a few days short of the sixth anniversary of the, well, six month anniversary of the podcast. Sixth anniversary, lol. Yeah, so that's gone by fast. It has. uh, And for those who don't know, Dan was my very first review of the podcast on iTunes, was it, I believe? I think it was, yeah. Yeah, if you go back to the iTunes reviews, it was the first, and of course, it was a five-star review, so thanks. And if you haven't and are listening to this right now, please go and leave a review for the podcast. That would be appreciated. But yeah, so Dan was one of the first people to review the podcast, and then through getting in touch with each other on Twitter and going back and forward, we've since done a load of these. Uh, We've been involved in the roundtable discussion that will be coming up hopefully soon, or will be involved in that. Um, A little thing called UAP Media that we'll be discussing soon too on this show that some of you have heard a little bit about as well which has all been i mean it's not been deliberately mysterious has it we've just been a little bit careful in how much we've been going out with so far yeah yeah exactly um we kind of want to get everything ship shape before revealing all that's all 
Yes, and it's not just us. We're only half of, of UAP Media yeah. UK, as it's going to be known as well, but that's something we can definitely touch on as well. But yeah, so 20 episodes in of the main show, uh, we're going to touch on a little bit of UFO news and then discuss the phenomenon, because I feel that's worthy of its own show anyway. And now it's been a few weeks since it was released, the dust has settled a little bit, it's probably a good time to discuss our, I want to say non-spoiler, but it's going to be non-spoilerific with a hint of a little bit of spoiler i'll try not to spoil yeah, anything most of the spoilers will come from dan <laughs> it's going to be dan's fault if there's any spoilers but by this point uh, if you're listening to this listen to the first part of the show for the ufo news and then if you've not watched the phenomenon yet and don't want anything at all ruined even though i'm guessing you've probably seen a lot of what we'll talk about online then pause it come back to it once you've watched it but you can now rent uh, the phenomenon as well as purchase it but we would recommend buying it or renting it of course uh, not getting it by any other nefarious means just to support james fox and the crew that produced that uh, right now i believe as of recording it was third am i right in the itunes charts worldwide yeah i think so i was really impressed as well it's um i think the last time i looked it was at 98 i think on rotten tomatoes which is outstanding that's usually reserved for pixar movies yeah, and actually I've got an exclusive. The 2% that marked it down uh, was Mick West. Um, so, oh, is yeah. it really? <laughs> no, I have Oh, uh, man. It, it might have you been. Had me. I'm just joking. I doubt Mick listens there's, there's to this. There's probably a bird-based review, isn't there? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, like you say, that's an amazing score as well. And we're going to get to that. But first, we're going to discuss a little bit of UFO news, um, which there's been quite a bit in October. It's the phenomenon being released itself is a big piece of news and that's going to be the main section of the show but first off um there was a little bit of coverage again on tucker carlson again that's so difficult to say with a scottish accent particularly glaswegian but yeah tucker carlson talking about uh the phenomenon back on its release again chris mellon very much seems to be the face of ttsa these days when it comes to these media circuits he's very good very good at talking on them too um and of course james fox was on there as well did you catch any of the the media media circuit james was doing i did yeah um he's he's been getting a lot of coverage actually um tucker carlson followed up uh i think because of the, there's a particular quote in the film from reed which we'll we'll talk about later um and a lot of the mainstream media were kind of following up trying to get word from them whether uh you know whether it was a, a real quote because it was quite a heavy thing for uh harry reed to say nuclear <laughs> um so yeah uh, so again tucker carlson seems to have the ufo bug particularly the last kind of year or so and uh, as much as people in the us have their favorite news networks that's not really something that's i don't think is quite common outside the us is it that the political parties have networks they prefer over others it doesn't I know there's bits of that in the UK, but it's not as prominent here that for any US listeners that we you know, we I guess most of our um media in the UK is owned by I think it's something like eighty percent of the media is owned by I think the the Murdoch Empire. Yeah. Um so yeah, we, we only really see that. <laughs> yeah, we've got like the BBC or we've got Sky News. Um Sky, of course, is now owned by Comcast, so it's not under that umbrella anymore. But we, we kind of have those two news channels, don't we? And they, they yeah. pretty much share the same sort of views. And we, we don't have that big 
that big fight here between you know people uh, people aren't as passionate about politics here as they are in the US. I say that there's there's things in the news at the minute which we won't go into because it's not a politics podcast. But yeah, we we don't really have that, so it's nice to see Fox over in America making a big deal of the phenomenon, talking about it, advertising it on a really high profile show as well. And someone like Tucker seems to really enjoy the conversation. And as he we talked about, and as Tucker talked about, like we do, why aren't people taking this more serious? Again, I think just now that the election is literally on the horizon. And I, I tweeted this the other day and people agreed and disagreed, but I, I think the UAP subject is sort of ticking along in the background more at the minute when it comes to that kind of mainstream explosion. And the phenomenons came out at, at an interesting time, but I suppose you could argue, has it been the best time for it to come out with what's on the horizon but yeah, that's something we can talk about within the, the body of the show anyway. But it's nice to see... It's, it's a good point to make, actually, because it was meant to have a, a cinema release. Yeah. So I imagine there would have been a bit more, you know, fanfare and people could have gone to see it for, you know, three, four dollars, three, four pounds, you know, wherever you are, euros. Um, yeah. So there would have been a, a bigger general audience and a bigger conversation um, outside of the the community. That's it. Everyone's kind of stuck at home reviewing. Journalists are at home, and again, if if it's if it's not front and center of the the top ten in your newsfeed, then it's probably not going to get picked up on by the most of the general public at the moment because of circumstances and COVID. But that's why it's so important that you know I, I'm going on for my show. I'd love to people to go on and review, especially on iTunes, as algorithms and it pushes things up the charts and just gets out to a, a broader audience. But James Fox and the phenomenon are no different. They want you to go on any platform you can, but again, iTunes being the big one, leave a five-star review, Rotten Tomatoes, leave a, you know, the leave a tomato review, as it's known, the tomato meter. It's go on and talk about it, retweet, like it, share it, share your thoughts on various social media platforms, and it gets people talking. And being on Fox News is no small feat. As we know, they have picked up a lot of the stories for TTSA over the last few years, and it's something they're not quickly getting rid of which is really good to see see from our point of view as well on the converse of that or on the flip side the the uk um has decided uh, the government that they're going to bury another load of ufo files for a further 50 years that takes me up to my 85th birthday woo so again and this is what really annoys me and this is where we're going to bring up like we talked about uap media uk and um we will do that in a second but there's a total lack of any serious UK UAP UFO coverage. But what's interesting is, as we'll see from people like yourself, Dan, huge in UAP activism, if you want to call it that, on the forefront of writing to MPs, writing to organisations, you know, just asking the questions of, do you have an interest in this? Do you have any information on this? Could you share this? What are your interests? And then, again, we'll mention someone who's part of UAP Media UK as well, um, Andreas Freeman-Stahl, as you'll know him on Twitter. He, again, is really heavily involved in this with the unidentified website that he's a massive part of as well. There seems to be no interest at all from a UK government, from UK authorities, from the mainstream in UFOs, yet they've buried another load of documents for 50 years. Why? That just seems totally, if there's nothing to it, then release what you've got. You know, that that's really frustrating for me. Well, there's uh, two two things struck me about it. One was that my MP, my local MP, when I spoke to him, he referred me to the upcoming document release and said, oh, you know, it's all 
basically brushed me off and said, we're releasing stuff, you know, get off my back kind of thing. Um, I had a few other responses from other people like that. And now obviously they've been delayed. Um, so I get to get back to those people and uh, kind of point out that, you know, their, their position was not a, a decent one to take. Um, but then I did get in touch with the National Archives and speak to someone there about the release itself. <clears throat> um, and they told me it's because there are confidential details, basically, um, of the, I guess, the the Calvin hikers and the other other cases uh, the people involved in other cases sorry um that they're not allowed to release which is fair enough but you can't help but feel that they're, they're just kicking the ball further down the field for someone else to deal with you know have you seen the episode of futurama where they send the garbage into space yep. and then it comes back like 50 years later and everyone's <laughs> yeah. forgotten about it and it's someone yep. else's problem i feel like it's that <laughs> That's the ball of garbage, and when I hit eighty-five, it's going to be heading back towards Earth, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, to destroy everyone. No, but but you're right, and that that's the way it seems. It's just let's just kick it down the line, so it's someone else's problem. And if there's nothing to it, then you know, or if just it sounds to me like there's some redacting to be done there, which you know we've talked about many times before. But just just blank out the details. We don't care necessarily I, about I people's have the names redacted and... files. Uh, okay. Um. The the last two releases um, were basically redacted and the stuff they've got to release is the unredacted versions. Um, and the last, yeah, the last two releases were physical only. So you had to go to the archive and get them. And someone did um, massive thank you to them. Um, and yeah, they're, they're available. I tweeted a link not too long ago. You have to register to a website. It had to be on a password protected server, um, but they're there for you to read, um, but obviously, it's blacked out so there's, there's not much there to read and this is something we'll, we should talk about briefly now and it's there's going to be an episode on this the next round table that will come out is going to feature myself yourself uh andreas freeman stahl and uh, dave partridge of shadows Air mind magazine and collectively we'll, we'll put a group together as we've noted or touched on a couple of times uh uap media uk with the goal that within the UK, we don't see there are many serious voices or uh, movement to talk about the UFO UAP subject in a serious manner. And even in the UK recently, there have been some people getting um, their stories out there, which again, are just treated like a joke and it, they aren't necessarily the sort of stories. And I'm not naming names or saying what those stories are just now. That's not my place to do that. But I don't feel it's the sort of stuff we want to be talking about on national radio. Uh, that is going to push anything forward because it's not the time or the place for it. And, you know, we, yeah. we can have a conversation with a little bit of humour, with, uh, and I think you've got to be able to do it with a broad range of people as well. And I'm thinking one of the particular guests that were on one of the shows is on a massive UK talk sport radio station. And it's a kind of late night for any listeners abroad, kind of jocks or, you know, late night taxi drivers and kind of cookie characters. And they basically got a guest on and tore them apart. And they just wanted to make fun anyway. But you need to have someone on who can have a bit of a joke, know the level that they want to discuss this, but also push the conversation forward and bring up, you know, here's why this is a serious topic. Here's why we should be discussing it. Here's what's happening. And, you know, for all the issues that are going on, one thing the United States has been particularly good for in the last couple of years is the movements in UAP, particularly, as we know, down to Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon and co. But, Again, look at the phenomenon coming out, very much a US-based feature 
with with a lot of its content, as we'll discuss. Um, there, there's a lot to it that's happening from that country. Japan, obviously, very recently having their defense minister, who doesn't believe in UFOs himself, mention that they're going to be reporting these more seriously and bringing it more to light from a Japanese point of view. That's great. What's the UK doing? When we're always seen as the US's little brother, I can't believe that there's not a group within the UK government that isn't looking at these, isn't studying these, that doesn't have an interest. As much as you want to talk about this being a very British approach and, you know, oh, what, oh, you know, we have no interest in aliens and flying saucers and whatnot. And, you know, within the corridors of Westminster, I don't believe that, that there aren't groups within the UK government that are discussing these and are looking after these files and talking to the US even of, of what's happened the last couple of years, the last couple of months with the UAP task force potentially being or being launched and bringing out reports, there's got to be an interest in it or at least some sort of contact back and forward. So UAP Media UK, from our point of view, uh, and Dan will, will say some words on it as well, I'm sure, is going to be a group that can reach out to various organisations within the UK. And we're not saying that we want to put ourselves forward for interviews and tv shows and that's not the point of it but it's just if anyone wanted a point of contact that anything was to be discussed or they wanted to know who can they get in touch with to have a serious conversation we'd be happy to do that and either do it ourselves or point these people in the right direction um dan what what are your thoughts on what uap media is going to be um i think you put it really well actually oh, um, yeah basically a, a point of contact um to to separate the signal from the noise uh for people that want the signal from the noise. people <laughs> um funnily enough the the twitter handle comes from uh a film called the signal um that was made by the guy that made uh tom delong's love movie mm. uh i'd recommend going to watch it there's some pretty cool things in it um Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> yeah, just what is your favourite pizza topping? No, so just on UAP Media UK, um, like you've said, the objective is going to be as a point of contact, is trying to collaborate together. Obviously, I've got the podcast. You've got yourself and Andreas from an activism point of view and your knowledge between you is incredible and the, the writing you do and the sources that you have as well. And then on top of that, you've got Dave with the magazine. It's, again, Shadows of Your Mind, free content, incredible magazine. Amazing magazine. Yeah, yeah, please go out and it's gaining a lot of traction as well. Get on the bandwagon now before Dave starts starts charging five quid a month for it. <laughs> no, he, he, he won't, yeah. but you know, do you know what? There are, there are well, far... They, they, no, I was just going to say there are far less is... content, far less superior content out there, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, um, that is <laughs> chargeable uh, that, than what Dave puts out there for free. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's a thread running through it all. Um, you know, Andreas is very public facing about social media activism. Um, you're doing the podcast. Um, Dave's got the magazine. And it's all about communication. And that's kind of very much the stage we're in with uh, this disclosure movement. It's communicating the ideas to the right people um, at the right times. And that's it. And do you know what? If there was a TTSA within the UK, I don't think we would even have to to do this or the idea would have even came yeah, up with it. True. But we just feel from a UK point of view, there's, there's nothing. So again, if it's something that we can help from a... Uh, a british point of view get anything out there and help media outlets report it more seriously then great if not then it's something that we'll be kind of trying to do a very small bit ourselves on as well but uh look for more of that and uh, 
Dan, do you have handy the details? Uh, is it UAP Media UK, all one word yeah. on Twitter? All one word, same on Instagram. Um, and then the website address um, should be about the same, but we'll, we'll post that when it's up and running. Yeah. And again, I'll just say thanks uh, publicly to Dan, Andreas and, and Dave for the amount of work they've all done on this already. Um, I have the lightest of the load to do um, so far and they're very good with not pushing me for stuff. It's so. funny though, because I feel that way as well. So oh, no, <laughs> maybe I, we all feel that way. I definitely have the least to do. Uh, so yeah, so look forward to that coming out. And again, the round table number two, when we all get the time to sit down together, is going to be for UAP Media UK and there'll be some kind of fun discussion in there with that as well. So I'll look forward to that definitely launching properly before the end of 2020. Um, so yeah, that'll be something coming out soon, folks. Another piece of uh, UAP news, uh, Lou Elizondo, who joined social media quite recently, reluctantly, as myself and Dan found out from from one of our friends quite recently, um, has been doing some Q&As on Twitter. Uh, this isn't me whining that Lou still hasn't answered any of my fanboy questions yet. You know, I'm, I'm sure he'll get to one eventually. They're maybe just not that good. But many of you, especially listeners to this show, have noticed. Um, Acom, I think, had a few answered. Carl had one recently as well. Uh, yeah, loads uh, of you are getting your UFOs questions. As well. Oh, yeah. I mean, almost everyone except me, to be honest. So maybe I'm a little bit better. Has had I haven't had one yet. Maybe we're asking questions that are too hard. I asked him about his... Uh, encounter his experience that he alluded to in unidentified so yeah he's never answered um, that yeah I, that's not getting an answer on twitter is it come on no uh not <laughs> yet ask, though. maybe that'll be the start of season three of unidentified maybe but yeah so lou's q a's dan what have what have your thoughts been so far on those um his q a's are really really good um it's nice just to let him pick and choose uh what to respond to because some of them are quite revealing um there was uh, a few questions. I, I tweeted a few notable ones. Um, one of them, uh, War Servant uh, at Sith Vincent 5, is a V, not a uh, number 5, uh, asked, uh, you mentioned UAP pens useful for investigating. Uh, with equipment ready and in place, are naval ships being used as bait? Let's call it coincident deployment. Um, and Lou's answers to that was, fantastic question. And unfortunately, I'm not, uh, liberty to elaborate on this at this time uh, but keep asking this question it's very important um that's that's kind of a huge point that they might be using navy vessels as bait they they have nuclear reactors right they do and i think particularly when you're saying i mean we're not seeing every single one of these strike groups that are out doing maneuvers and practices are being used as bait but particularly in an area round about those catalina islands that seems yeah. so popular for UAP uh, sightings and movement and activity that maybe that was a, a sub, you know, a subcategory, if you want to call it that, of why they were doing what they were doing. The, as, as we have heard on the roundtable done with Patrick Hughes, Kevin Day uh, and Gary Voorhees, it wasn't just the Navy who were watching the strike group. And when they were getting these contacts, which happened over a period of seven to 10 days, there were other organizations on the coast who are tracking these objects as we can kind of piece together coming in from, let's just say the atmosphere, because do can we say they're coming in from space? We don't 
100% know that. We know they're coming from 80,000 feet or more. So they're coming from the atmosphere, whether they're blipping in there or, or, or not, we don't know. They're then coming down to kind of sea level. And as far as we know, they're going under the water and somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. So again, yeah, are these strike groups deliberately being placed there to see if they can attract the attention of these things, which they seem to? And it sounds, and as again, I mean, I spoke to Chase Klitschke recently as well, that these events are happening like right now, last week, yesterday, a month ago. These are these events are still happening, and for a lot of us, we feel that might be the next. That would be the a great push to get an incident like this being reported on on Fox News or CNN or I don't care what what, what station it is. But last week, a strike group had an incident with a UAP. That would be great. That for me would be huge. And I don't think the next thing we're going to get is leaked footage of a legit what we could call UFO, flying saucer, tic tac, whatever. But it'd be great to see even if it would be one of those bloody videos or a five-second snippet of, here's what was happening last week that fighter jets encountered, here's what we found off the coast of Italy, or here's what we found off the, the coast of Chile or Peru, anywhere like that where it's literally happening now, that that for me would be a big, big, big step forward. Yeah, I agree. It, it changes it when it feels a bit more immediate instead of, you know, 17-odd years ago. Um Wait, 17? I think I got that wrong. But yeah, I... I oh, you're about agree. right, yeah, 2004, um, so yeah, 16, yeah. It's, yeah, see, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it is a lot more immediate. We, we've heard of other cases, um, like the USS Boxer, um, but nothing, nothing that we can look at and go, you know what, why don't you have HD video camera of that? You did that last week and we've got all these gadgets and all this technology and you've got all your very very fancy radar that's even more impressive than was at the nimitz site um questions would be asked in, in a bit in a bit more of a passionate manner from unusual places i think yeah and, and for me listen we're not going to get anything in the next couple of weeks till the election's done and dusted i think that's when we'll see a lot about more movement on things and for me you know i i, I would love this to not be the case but i don't think in 2020 we'll get too much more in the way of leaks and big news maybe something in december if it was going to be but i think the election is going to dominate at least for another month because as we're kind of hearing the results might not be so clear cut or cut and dry so it's yeah. let's get that out of the way <clears throat> let's people like ourselves and you know different magazines podcasts you know uh we've just had ryan sprague has been in coast to coast which is amazing for ryan someone that i've got quite friendly with as well and doing the podcast and he's a really cool guy and that's great for him yeah, um stations like coast to coast you've got uh, project unity doing his work on his channel as well we've got jay um dave shadows of your mind alejandro rojas's stuff there are a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of YouTube channels, a lot of outlets that you can keep up to date with news. And it's just keeping I'm just going with chuck it. It's redacted in there as well. Oh, the, yeah. The videos are outstanding. Yeah. And I'm hoping to get it redacted uh, on the show at some point as well. Um, oh, and what I have to mention, because I'll be speaking to him next week, is Undead Gaucho, who uh, has cool. a very good YouTube channel based over in Argentina. Um which apparently is only about a three-hour time difference or something for me, so that's not too bad either. Um, 
so yeah, looking forward to to speaking with with him as well. But there's a lot out there, and it's there's enough to keep the conversation going with a lot of different angles it's coming from as well. So keeping tabs of that one, and more pressingly, like we want to talk about news that's happening right now or about to happen tomorrow night, Dan. Um, there is going to be some uh, NASA announcement on news about the moon. That sounds so yeah, vague and serious um, now when I say it like that, doesn't it? There's going to be moon news. Moon news. Um, yes. They figured out it's made of cheese. Yes, which we have known for some time in the UK, yep. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, um, I think that it, it, it's probably something to do with water, ice. But listen, um, see, before you even, before you even say that, Dan... I think it's worth you very briefly touching on it because I don't think, just like myself, everyone will know all the details. How have they come about finding out this news about the moon? So basically you were telling me how they've sure. got a telescope up that high. Yeah, sure. Um, so obviously when we have telescopes on the ground, um, we have things like clouds and atmospheric refraction that kind of mess up the image a little bit. Um, so they put a telescope on top of a, a big plane and uh, flew it up really high and used an infrared telescope to look at the moon. Um, you know, sometimes the solutions to science problems are as simple as just chucking on top of the plane and flying really high. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, it's, a, it's a decent feat of engineering because they kind of got a, you know, obviously telescopes kind of stay still and this one doesn't because the plane would fall out of the sky, <clears throat> Midwest. Um, so it looks at the moon and it takes an infrared image, basically. Um, it's each pixel on the telescope, I think I've read it, is about five meter resolution. So it's definitely not going to be something like we found a being on the surface or, you know, any anything like that. It's going to be uh, from infrared readings um, where they can see materials, uh, precious metals, water, things like that. Um, so I'm expecting something along those lines. Yeah. And I, I wondered as well, are we going to hear anything to tie in with the 2024 next manned mission to the moon? which just still seems so far away, doesn't it? Especially when we've got uh, Elon Musk doing what he's doing um, over at SpaceX, you know, just, it just seems to be, why can't you just put some guys or girls up there like next week, you know? I'm sure you can't be short of volunteers, but maybe getting ready, maybe they've found some sort of area they can have a base from on the moon or not that there's not bases up there already, probably. The more, (laughs) one of the more, kind of edge theories i've looked at um i was when when the astronauts go to the moon one of the issues is there's no atmosphere um and the post included a, a rock with a kind of trail behind it um and they think that maybe it's alluding to a like a wind or an atmospheric process on the moon um and kind of freezing water beneath the rock and blowing it along um which would be uh, interesting development can you imagine one of the astronauts just went up and took the helmet off and were like, oh, actually, I can breathe up here? Actually, that that is a wild conspiracy theory still, isn't it? That Will it be you, mad, you right? You can breathe like in that, space that would be no a... one's ever tried. <laughs> it's an inconsistent narrative over the course of our history. That's what that would be. It would be huge, yeah. And I'm sure the astronauts on the space station would quite happily tell you straight away that no, you cannot breathe in space and no, you cannot <laughs> breathe on the moon. Well, the atmosphere doesn't mean oxygen, you know. So no. that that is that is true. But yeah, so that that's coming tomorrow, folks. So um, I say tomorrow. Do you know what? This probably won't be out. Oh, unless unless I'm really really good 
and Dan doesn't give me any more editing to do, then I could release this tomorrow for the Moon News. So um, that news is coming tomorrow, today. That news was last week. Hope you found it interesting. Um, just delete as applicable when you listen to this, <laughs> folks, okay? So, yeah, so some more um, news, which follows on from the Venus stuff as well. And um, th- there's been quite a bit recently, so it's been good to kind of touch on. What you're here for, though, folks, is the review of the phenomenon. Um, for my thoughts, for Dan's thoughts, more pressingly, because Dan has a lot more knowledge, he'll deny that, but he does than me on all these sorts of things. And nice. we've got some of your questions as well that you're sent in and some of your thoughts too. Dan, I'm going to ask you for a really vague summary straight away at the start. The phenomenon, what were your thoughts? I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought you could really see the effort that James has put into it. Um, he's grown very technically as a filmmaker as well. Um, and it was, it was all on show. Tonally, very similar to Unidentified, I thought. It takes a very serious 60 minutes kind of approach. Uh, we have that really lovely, gravelly uh, voiceover from Peter Coyote, um, almost like a cow- cowboy around a campfire, I thought. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to him tell the story of uh, the the UFO history. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. How about you? Yes. Oh, it's nice being asked a question on my own podcast. I like that. Yeah, that's that's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I loved it. Like you say, as people know, we're fans of Unidentified, huge fans of Unidentified. Um, the tone was very similar. Something that always irks me, if I can use that word, um, of course I can, it's my podcast so uh, that uh, irks me or annoys me on UFO documentaries or I'll, I'll name them and I love the stuff he does but I find it a little too artistic Jeremy Corbell we've got the tone like you mentioned we've got our Mickey Rourke in this is Peter Coyote and it, I think it hits a nice tone that it's not off-putting and not trying to take over we don't have long sprawling shots of the desert um, and you know kind of those wavy heat lines in the distance and you know artistic license everywhere and I know you're, you've got a background in cinematography and whatnot and we'll, we'll touch on that but for me I'm watching the this to hear about the phenomenon I'm looking to see footage of UFOs people talk about beings multi-dimensional alien extraterrestrial all of the above that's what I want to see. I'm not particularly interested in exposition around it, but I get that's got its place as well. There's a little bit of filler and storytelling and narrative and moving things on. And I think sometimes that's where the Jeremy Corbell stuff for me, it can be a little bit, oh, okay, here's another 45 seconds till we get to the next scene to get to what I actually want to hear about. Is he just padding this out for time because he wanted to hit an hour and a half? And again, that is not a slight on what do I know? I don't make documentaries yet. Uh, I don't I don't make documentaries, so that's that's not a slight on Jeremy Corbell's work. It's just I like the tone that this hits. I like the tone that unidentified hits. Um I thought I thought it was great. Um for me, it's a movie of three parts where the first part of the film, almost the first half, I, I would say, is around the UFO legend and story of the 70 years from roswell through the wars up to the the 2000s and it's it's a real it's a i think it's probably the definitive piece on what's happened 
here's all the main stuff Betty and Barney Hills touched on and it gets everything in a very concise place. Is there anything new there? Not necessarily, but I think it's a great recap of everything that's came before. And that's something I've touched on quite a lot in the podcast recently. I feel that there's a time and place for that and we need to move past it. And I think the documentary puts that in the way I would have kind of put that together in a, in a film, that here's what's happened. Here's what we've been talking about for a long time. Here's what people know. Then I think it jumps to that kind of middle part, the, the third, the second third of it, where it's very much now recent times, TTSA, Chris Mellon's heavily involved, a little bit of, you know, Elizondo. It touches on the Nimitz incidents, Princeton, a few more recent and ongoings within politics and, and governments and whatnot as well, uh, and how the tone has changed in conversation. And then that last part, I think, which got a lot of people and surprised a lot of people, but a fantastic way to end it, because I suppose how do you end these things, is on the aerial school sighting, which takes you back to the, the 70s. But we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. So for me... I loved the flow of it and I thought it was a really good way to have a bit of a surprise ending to touch on that as a case and it's really got people talking and what what I think frustrated some was as they may have said the lack of the lack of any new information they were expecting here's some new footage you've never seen before which I think there are some nuggets in there I think it's really harsh to say there's nothing new when there is for me it's, yeah there's, it's, there's this is what you show people now um it's just i guess maybe subtle um because i i think when when people are part of this community you forget what people outside of it don't know yes you know um and this this kind of wrestled i mean i can't even fathom taking all of the ufo history and choosing stuff to put in a film to convince people, let alone putting the time in to get all the stuff to be task. able to put that yeah. together. Like, wow. Um, and yeah, and to do it in such a, a serious manner. Like I said, all, all, all the time James put into this is really, really on show. And he got a few, uh, a few real, real treats um, in terms of new stuff, I thought. And there's no doubt stuff within that. And I know you've you were talking before we recorded about some of the chat rooms you've been in as part of James's interview recently as well. And he's been very forthcoming in his answers and the questions that have been asked. And as we go on, you can you can touch on that if you want to. But there there was no doubt quite a lot left on the cutting room floor, or even things that just it couldn't get in there. And as as we said before, this is something that was meant to come out. I mean, it was mooted to have a what august september release initially and it was going to be yeah, theatrical right. obviously we had covid and whatnot but there was a lot more than covid stopped this coming out when it was supposed to come out as well um but it had a lot of pushback in the background as well from from what we heard yeah that's right um i don't know if that was to do <clears throat> with you know the distributors would have said we'll have it in the cinema for x number of weeks and then you'll release it um, whereas they changed to just, we're releasing it right away. So I, I don't know if it was issues with that or something else going on. Um, but there's certainly, based on Lou Alizondo's reaction to the film, where he kind of fully endorsed it um, and said it says some things that he is unable to say. Based on that, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some other kind of pushback behind that. Yeah. And something we touched on then, and it's something worth noting now, is this documentary, is this film for me and you and the UFO community? Yes, it is. 
as the wider audience though what it's what it's really aimed at and i would say yes this is for me like we said or i said it's the piece that you would now show someone if someone sat down and went dan i, I want you to show me why are you interested in this ufo stuff like what is it you know is it aliens coming from mars and flying saucers and all that kind of stuff and people being abducted you know show, show me some good stuff if they really wanted to sit and watch a serious piece you could now i feel show them this watch this this will tell you what you need to know this is why i'm interested why you should be interested and some of the really serious people like a chris mellon like some of the senators marco rubio's on there and and others that are heavily involved in this with your your harry reads on camera and if they can just understand a little bit of context this is huge there's stuff in there and i think to compare it to unidentified season one Oh, but we've seen the Nimitz stuff. Yep, we we know this. Yeah, of course we do. But we are we are already that one percent that are going to be interested in this. This is now put together for a much wider audience that I don't think it has reached yet, but I think it will down the line. So that was something I know a lot of people talked about. Is is this yet reached its its correct platform being for rent and being for for purchase? What what I'm getting at basically is has this yet to find its big audience when it reaches Netflix, do you think? I, I think this is going to be one of those that kind of sits in the background and simmers and finds new people every day. Um, I, I've sent it to people that I never would have sent a UFO documentary to in my life. You know, I felt proud sharing this after I, I was like, uh, the, for example, uh, one of my friends, uh, he won't mind saying his name, Dominic, he's very, very uh, heavily into politics. He was a politics student at university. That's where his mind is. He's no time for UFOs and conspiracy theories. Um, but this, he knew Harry Reid. So when he watched this documentary, I've for the past week, I've had a barrage of texts um, just asking questions and asking for sources and things like that. And that interaction kind of spread in the film to somebody else and then he'll go and kind of spread it to someone else and it kind of you know exponentially grows from there that's what this is going to do i think um and that's why it was so great to see it on fox so many people will cite the unacknowledged as being the ufo documentary on on netflix without question for me this takes its place when it goes on there yeah yeah there's that's not even up for debate no one that I remember um, cries on camera in this either, which is always which is always good. Um, no. And I don't think there was any any money of, of thousands of dollars changed hands to be to be in it either. So that is also a huge huge positive, um, which is really really good. It, it it makes it a much easier conversation, doesn't it? To kind of go, hey, look, there's Harry Reid talking about the piles of evidence that I haven't seen the live day. Um, versus Stephen Greer showing an interdimensional, interdimensional Bijou being uh, blurry in the background. To Demi Lovato and shot. Miley Cyrus yeah. as she swings on her wrecking ball, now flying saucer. Yeah, kind of it's respectable. <laughs> That's the word I'd say. <laughs> yeah, and listen, unacknowledged still has its place. It's harsh, absolutely. But... Yeah, no, listen, but we're, we're at the point now where well like again has been talked about recently there's a lot more happening a lot quicker and we're probably being spoiled now and we're so desensitized to the ufo news uh, because of social media 
that it's no longer months or even years before we get big bits of information. We're getting quite a lot on quite a regular basis. Again, enough that me and you can sit before we do this review and discuss the UFO news from the month and leave quite a lot out as well. So yeah, yeah. that that's where we're at. And that that's what I feel this, like you see this piece of filmmaking, the documentary is going to sit in the background in summer. And I think once it finds its bigger platform, or for me in a year or two, it's going to be very, very, very relevant. Not that it's not yeah. now, but right now it's, I think, one of those things that we can say. We, we know it now, we've watched it now, and it's going to be used far, far better down the line. Again, once it gets that bigger audience, that'll be great. And hopefully Joe Rogan um, gets James Fox on to talk about it soon as well, which I think... Yeah, that'd be really, really the, great. The TTSA crew are due another appearance. Everyone always wants Tom DeLong back on the show, don't they? After some of his previous appearances and controversies. Yeah. Um, one of my standouts of the past few years is, is George Knapp sticking up for Tom on Joe Rogan. Yes. <laughs> that was a, a special moment. I love George Knapp. George Knapp is um, George Knapp, even uh, who has an appearance in the phenomenon as well. Um, yep. he's, he's a great guy. He seems very nice, very knowledgeable. And I loved when he was on uh, Coast to Coast quite recently with Jeremy Corbell. And he talked about how he could have broken the the 2017 New York Times news first. And I've no doubt that's happened many times in his career, but he knew the greater good was to leave it to those guys. This this isn't about George Knapp. This is about getting an, this news out there in the biggest way possible. So that, that's that's uh, a sign of the man's integrity and his kind of respect and responsibilities within the, the community. So I'm I'm a huge George Knapp fan as well. Yeah, Another sure. person I'm a huge fan of. the weight of the... Uh of what we've got as well absolutely to see someone step back and go you know what i'm gonna let the professionals take this like george is a professional he's done so much work in this um it could have helped him immensely but yes he, he did the right thing and and someone uh, when you talk about professionals that are really coming to the forefront with all of this um one christopher mellon uh and his quote for me was probably the the big standout of this. And again, when TTSA first came about, and this is how they, they have changed and evolved. If, if people don't want to see this and want to go with the, their government disinformation, psyops, all that nonsense, which, which it is, um, they have evolved their message as time has gone on. And I, I've no doubt this is deliberate as well. Chris Mellon has quoted, or I'm going to paraphrase briefly here within the, 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 the podcast, that life is the norm. So he's basically saying not the exception and we are not alone in the universe. That's your former... <laughs> yeah, that's that. It's your former Undersecretary of Defence of the United States. And like Chase Klutzke said recently, another guest I've had on, Chris Mellon is not in this for the money. The TTSA share issue does not raise the kind of money that Chris Mellon did not already have in several bank accounts, probably. Uh, and that's not me going into Chris Mellon's finances, but his family are extremely wealthy and extremely powerful already. That can go off on a, yeah. whole, a load of other tangents and conspiracy theories too. But Chris Mellon is not doing TTSA, neither is Lou Elizondo or Tom DeLong for the money. They were okay for money, folks. Trust me. And obviously I'm leaving out Justice, Hal Putov, etc. as well, okay? Jim Semivan, but they're, they're all part of that too. But the, the main guys is, are the ones we always talk about. But there you and, go. And we really, we really see in this film as well Mellon's uh, involvement in getting those videos out to us. 
Yeah, as well. Um, as I'm, well I'm not sure many people kind of saw those details. Um, I think Danny Silver covered it a little while back, but you know, again, not many people know. Um, so to hear it kind of, you know, explained like this plot of a spy movie. I think we've said it before, but it's going to make an amazing film when all yeah. this is done. Melon getting the videos in the CD underground car park. <laughs> I, I think of The Simpsons. You know, when Smithers is in the dark and uh, Homer puts on the headlights. Yeah. Ah, well, you might as well give me a lift. Um, but yeah, so that, then he's getting the, the videos. And like you said, he's still got them, doesn't he? Like, I, yeah. I've, still, I've still got the original tape. So um, who that shadowy figure was, we don't know. Um, some say it's the person that still is involved within it now, within the, the task force. So, you know, was it Lou Elizondo himself that met him in a car park and handed over the tapes in the dark? It could be anyone. But Chris Mellon got these out there for the greater good or he's covering up for someone else and doesn't want them to get the flack for it who knows <laughs> but regardless the, the videos made the light of day because in part a huge part to, to Chris Mellon's efforts he is basically coming out and saying we are not alone in the universe what he means by that yet is it alien beings coming from different planets is it crypto terrestrial ultra terrestrial multi-dimensional interdimensional whatever it's not just us that's the main thing. Whatever comes of all this, and regardless of what people might think and what your theory is, Dan, what my theory is, what anyone else's theory is, Chris Mellon, if, you're, if you've got 10 people on the planet who know what they're talking about throughout the world, he's probably one of those 10, might not know it all, as we, we kind of hear from everyone, that no one knows this fully yet or understands it fully, but they know we aren't alone. And for me, you, that, you that's You say huge. no one understands it. I mean, fully, fully is the key word there. But there was there was a really great moment in the film uh, where give, give me a second I'm just going to scroll to this one um, yeah uh, the uh, ex head of Blue Book uh, Colonel Robert Friend there was a great moment in the film uh, where James managed to get an incredible response out of him um, where James said so they closed Blue Book because they didn't know what it was or because they did know what it was. And the smirk that Robert Friend gave James said everything, absolutely everything. Um, so they know <laughs> what these are. Some Someone knows. And it's right there in the middle of this film. And that's a new comment as well. Yes, but can we still... God, this is going to get into do they know Inception, but... <laughs> Do we know they know? I I can't do the whole do we know they know we know they know. But do does what they know mean they know fully? Or is it a case of right, we we have got a good idea, these beings are coming from another dimension into ours and going back out, or or is it something they knew at the time? Because when you start going back in with those reports, you're still going back what, 40, 50 years? Um yeah, so but I get that. So like you're saying, that there are people who know, I reckon they could, they could pretty much sum up. And this is where I think if I could have five minutes with Lou Elizondo, then I got to wipe my mind or a Chris Mellon and go, right, okay, give me 10 bullet points of what this is. Or even five, give me five bullet points. Okay, and I, just I'd for him to, to say, them. it's interdimensional. Some of these beings come from another planet. They're on the planet with us already. Yes, we have their technology. We kind of know how to use it. Something like that. 
with a few more things that I've not even thought of. That's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. No, tell me something. I, I have I the feeling know. that he he would have you say things, and then he would just nod or shake his head. That that would be the conversation. You you I, wouldn't get I could deal it with laid that. out like that. <laughs> I, I, I could totally deal with that. But yeah, so for me, that that was a big quote is Chris Mellon. And obviously you're you're talking about Robert Friend there, but is there any other quotes that kind of yeah. stood out to you? Um, yes. In a word. Um, quotes from various people, actually, not, not even necessarily um, <clears throat> officials, but from a number of cases throughout the film where James managed to add new information just through uh, interviewing people. Um, so, for example, uh, there was the science teacher. Um, I think there was this was uh, Westall. Yeah, Westall, um, where the science teacher um, backed up the kids, and he hadn't come forward before, um, and he didn't want to speak out at the time um, because he didn't want to be associated with it. So that's yet another adult kind of back in the story, and someone that it would have been said didn't back the story that the kids were telling. Um, we then had the the quote from, uh, I forget her surname, uh, J- Judy Trudy, um, which name. was the, it is a good name. Um, she was the headmistress at the school um, at the time that the sighting happened at the aerial sighting. Um, and when James went to film, they were just, uh, they went to film just some kind of B-roll around the school. Um, and she came running out and she asked to do that interview. Um, and during a Q and a, uh, this week on Alejandro Rojas's uh, open mind channel uh, with James, um, we, we asked him how much of the story did the head teacher confirm? Um, and I recommend go and watch the response, but everything basically, so this is a, a headmistress confirming that the school was visited that day. Yeah. Um, before we get to listener questions, where we'll touch on a few other points as well, that last part of the film, uh, as is worth talking, the the aerial school incident, where basically um, school children in the middle of the day uh, in South Africa uh, were witness to what well as one of the the witnesses says themselves one of the kids ran out in the classroom and said there's there's a ufo or a flying saucer outside and they ran out and there was this craft over the tree line and they basically ran towards and one of the kids said they were basically what a couple of feet from an alien being and i think it really is quite an a creepy tone and it's the most kind of not scary as such not for not i wouldn't say scary but there's there's quite a almost sinister and really unsettling vibe to our, our way they, they draw the beings and how they start to talk about them. And it's not, and as much as the, the message they all say, and I don't want to give too much away how they, how they talk about it and what the beings say through the children, but well, we, we can say there's like an environmental tilt. Yeah, well, there, there is. Yeah. There we'll is, leave yeah. it vague like that. Uh-huh. But it, it's still quite unnerving the way I felt it came across and the kids, as much as they said they weren't necessarily scared, it wasn't like a fun experience by the sounds of it. Um, and I'm sure it all affected them in different ways as well, but just the way they draw the beings, the big eyes, the big head, and it's the stereotypical, almost like grey type being, isn't it, that they've encountered. But this happens en masse in the middle of the day 
hundreds of children. The teachers saw it as well. And something, again, they bring round is some of the, the, the adults from the time who are now much older admitting on camera. And one of the listeners mentioned that accountability ladder that they're now coming out and saying, do you know what? At the time, I denied this. We were told to deny it. The military, the authorities told us that we pulled all the kids in the assembly hall and told them not to talk about it. And that they're ashamed of it. They feel guilty about that now because they saw it too. They saw the craft. Yeah, they saw the being. The, the incident happened. And there's just something to that whole, the, the purity of the interviews of the children at the time discussing what they saw. And, that these, and you can't say that children don't lie because uh, as a parent would know, children do lie. All these children, though, haven't got together and made up this incident. All in different classrooms, different age groups, different groups of friends. The teachers saw it. They all saw it. This did happen. Uh, that, for me, is why they finished on this. And it, James Fox does a really good job of making this well, well-known incident even more relevant now. And what I loved was that they got the some of the main children who were interviewed as children back then, who are obviously now adults, to sit in a group again, draw the beings, discuss their memories, recount what happened, and bring it up again. And this is still something that's profoundly touched them all and something that's played a part in their lives in different ways. Some of them haven't really talked about it since. Some of them have wanted to move on. Um, and, and something you mentioned, Dan, in your notes that you sent me was that they all have different backgrounds now as well, but very... Yeah, all, all very like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, humanitarian lawyers, you know, all all towards helping others, which I thought was really interesting given what the the visitors said to them, or well said, you know, the message they shared with them. I should, I guess. Yeah, F- famous incident made even more relevant, I would say now, if not more famous at the moment. But then when you've got someone like Lou Elizondo who has watched this, or a Chris Mellon who's put his name to it, and these people who are in the know are going, yes, this this is hap- this is what happened. This is the message. This is what they're discussing. It really does lend a lot of credence to certain theories of which environment's important. These beings potentially share our planet with us. Some of them do anyway. Some of them have different interests. And you could talk for hours about why these children, why children in general. Um, I know the aerial school incident itself is meant to have its own documentary coming out in the near future. There is a uh, a group on Twitter you can follow. I think it's is it aerial phenomenon or yeah, I think it is. It's it's been coming for a while. Um, yeah, I've I tried to get it, in touch. Come out with the Randallsham one, maybe. Yeah, I've I, yeah I've tried to get in touch with them to get some people involved on the podcast, and we'll see if that can happen in the the future as well to discuss that. But I definitely feel that would merit its own documentary. If if again we can get those people who were involved directly involved within that, it would definitely have its place as opposed to just another recounting of what happened. Um, some listener questions, though, Dan, that will bring up some other topics as well. Just just before you do that, yeah, I'm just going to correct. Uh, I, I said the head headmistress's name was Judy Trudy, which was wrong. Oh, no. Um, my brain was filling in gaps with rhymes. Uh, it's Judy Bates. <laughs> ah, that's, that's less interesting. Far less interesting. Um, so a couple of listener questions that were sent in as well. Uh, your thoughts on the meta materials being tested and I purposely never brought this up and I know it's something you were very interested in as well um, by Jacques Vallée and Gary Nolan 
Will the results see the light of day? What was the source? Is Valet paying for the tests or someone else? Um, for this community, although the movie was excellent, it was a history lesson, but ideal for newbies. That was uh, John that we both know, uh, Welsh John, well. Uh, yeah, so yeah, for sure. Your thoughts on the Jack Valet stuff? I know that's uh, something you were particularly interested in. Yeah, it's been uh, really interesting hearing uh, questions being asked of James uh, in interviews over the past few weeks. I know John was instrumental in helping uh, Dave uh, special access podcast, which I highly recommend everyone go listen to, um, yeah. putting together the kind of line of questioning. Um, and he, he got some really great details out of James there. Um, but yeah, the, the meta materials stuff is amazing. We're potentially looking at a, a, a massive bomb right there. Um, that scene... We don't mean that they've got an actual bomb. No, just to be... <laughs> no, <Knowledge laughs> I'm bomb. sure they could just make one if they wanted to. They, see, they seem capable. Um, I mean, it could be highly explosive. We don't know. Very true. Um, but that was filmed early 2019. And obviously, Gary, Gary Nolan's been involved uh, with COVID stuff uh, at the request of the White House, which is pretty damn cool. Um, it speaks to his, his uh, credibility. Um, so to have him involved in this is absolutely amazing. Um, it's a pet project of theirs. I know that. So any money kind of being spent on it is entirely their own. Um, everything will be shared for peer review as well. Um, I get the feeling from all these interviews that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. And when I say that, I don't know whether it's going to be people coming back in peer review to them or whether it's going to be put out for peer review. Uh, we could be at different bits in that process. But I would say the impression I get is that most of their work has been finished. Um, I think it's really good that they've got results separate to TTSA as well, because well, in science, you just you the more experiments done on the same thing in isolation, proving the same thing, the better, right? <laughs> yeah, I think what's important though as well, and I, I think these guys know this too, is there is a very, very small section of any, even the UFO community, that are interested in hearing further that bismuth and magnesium samples are layered in such a way that it would have to be created somewhere else because that only goes so far what people i think want to see is if possible a working example of how this material is special and what i think of in my head is in a lab putting in some sort of charge through one of these metals and having it float off of a petri dish i'm i'm not saying that's entirely possible but i think that's what people are sort of getting at now where it's like when ttsa talk about almost understanding anti-gravitational technology okay if you're saying which they are that this stuff is from the exhaust or a crash or as a product of some sort of uap then people want to see some sort of working example of that or how you've managed to use this and replicate it in a way that it has a unique property that can be demonstrated not just on a bit of paper i, th I think that would be important and as much as I would appreciate them coming out and saying that. I could see why a lot of, of the UFO community and others would want to see something a little bit more tangible as well. And well, I, I guess I, that's, that, that's why it might not be, you know, the smoking gun in terms of proving all this, just the results on paper. Yeah. Some people will understand that. Some people won't. Scientists, um, like Gary Nolan did oh, say yeah. in the film that he wanted to kind of use 
the properties of the materials and the the methods used to construct them because ballet did say they were you know manufactured um <clears throat> then that would give you something to that effect right where they could show you a material and go this is what's so special about it yeah you can fold it up and it looks like foil and it goes back to normal another point another point john brought up and it was one i was going to as well anyway um Harry Reid is very open in this movie, about as open as he has ever been. And I think that's really interesting, given only a few months ago we had uh, the well-publicised hype of the second New York Times article that never quite arrived as we expected, or as some had hyped. Sorry, Joe, UFO Joe out there, uh, as <laughs> as much as we love you. Um, uh, and all the and all the publicity that surrounded that and, and what happened, Harry Reid famously retracted some comments or really wanted to almost clear up that he didn't have the views that we'd all been led to believe he had. However, seems to have really won us all back round within his appearance in the phenomenon, where he very much comes out and without saying the exact words of yeah, there's a lot of evidence of UFOs and aliens that you just haven't seen the light, hasn't seen the light of day. That that's what he's basically getting at, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's Uncle Harry again. For the, <clears throat> there's a lot of follow up on that apparently to his office, and he's been answering a lot of inquiries from mainstream journalists, asking, "Did you really say this? Is that kind of really what you meant?" And uh, James said that uh, he's been great in responding to every single one of them saying, yep. Um, And in terms of the difference from that last article, the New York Times one, um, the only thing I've been able to think is that Harry Reid was prepared for the conversation now, as opposed to maybe sounding like he didn't expect it that time. Yeah. And he maybe got his back up a little bit off the back of all the hype from last time. It wasn't just Joe, but it caused a lot of debate and arguments online and right or wrong. And I suppose what's worth dropping in there actually is Chris Mellon himself is quoted as saying in this documentary that from the first bombshell article, he didn't like the way the New York Times handled it. And I thought that was a really interesting nugget that came out of this that we've not really had a lot of follow-up on if if I'm not mistaken, that what was it he really didn't like? I know was there a lot missing, or I suppose the detail around that. What were your thoughts on what Chris Mellon said about the New York Times? Mellon was uh, he did say that he was disappointed with that story. Um, I was shocked as well because um, we we haven't really heard him say that before. No, um, but he, if I remember rightly, he says that they didn't emphasize the the urgency. Um, and that's something that we, we spoke about earlier uh, with regard to if a sighting had happened last week as opposed to 16 years ago, then the urgency would be very, very different. That front page would have said, you know, they're here <laughs> as opposed to this happened 15 years ago. And that's it, ago, yeah. Sorry. And I suppose when it's brought out from someone like Chris Mellon in that way, it's it was reported as this incident happened so from Chris Mellon's point of view, I can see where they wanted this to highlight that these things are happening and still happening. Like we discussed, these incidents are ongoing and that's where the the controversial threat narrative comes in as well, that pilots' lives are at risk potentially from these, not that they're being attacked, but you know something could happen in midair. We, do, we don't know and that's a problem. It's the unknown aspect of it, isn't it? Or I yeah, suppose sure. that one of these pilots panics and does shoot off something they shouldn't and 
that that's always a potential worry. But yeah, so I, I can or see that we want to respond to something that one of them does, and we can't because I mean nukes have been disarmed. Yes, well, unless yeah, that that was the other big quote there from Reed, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Although other people on online recently have denied that's what was said, and that it was just more to do with glitches and technical hiccups and errors that are going on in these silos as unidentified aerial craft fly above and yeah can can we get for this show can we get a few radio sounds so that when you tell me things that people have been saying that uh, you know just codswallop i can press a sound <laughs> that kind of goes boring yeah. <laughs> kind of, well, you know cu- coming 2021 when i start to update the show a little bit more <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have some sound effects put in as well yeah we'll get one of those uh, stream desks uh, in front of us if only i always it- say but if only people could see the setup that we uh, we actually have and record off of dan I think it would change their perceptions totally, wouldn't it? <laughs> it? It's not that I mean to be rude about it. Just there are certain parts of this conversation that we should have moved past now, and that's oh, it's ridiculous. Them, yeah, know? it's absurd to me. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, some of the other questions that came in: Do you think there is room for a sequel, and what would the proper focus be of any sequel? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, the end of this film is the first time that James has touched on CE3, um, which is stuff with beings, basically. Yeah. Um, so I would guess that it would follow up on that. Um, it's a tricky subject, though. Um, James has kind of rightly specified that it's, you know, we've got to take baby steps with this subject. And to go from, there's something in our sky, we don't know what it is, and we want to investigate it, to these, you know, insane and i don't mean the people i mean the event itself um insane happenings uh, where people are abducted and implanted and you know impregnated and things like that it's, it's a big step um it's the bridge I though isn't it get there. Yeah. How, yeah how do you bridge the conversation because you're then going at it from a point of view of a second documentary has either these are what these beings are again interplanetary multidimensional etc etc or is it a case of here is what they may be and here are cases and then it goes into conjecture territory again doesn't it of you might be this they might be that but then it would really depend on do you have chris mellon talking about it lou elizondo jacques valet and those types of characters um again former astronauts you've got gordon cooper um and the like as well on there too again i would like to see you know, Tim Peake or Chris Hadfield on there, not something they normally talk about, I know. But again, you know, I would love to see recent astronauts coming out and discussing any potential experiences or sightings, which are far more unlikely. I get why other astronauts do it decades after the incidents or whatever's happened as well. But with commercial spaceflight coming up, this is something I always talk about um, with anyone that one of the reasons I think maybe so much is happening now, if you've got virgin galactic and spacex and all these um multi-billionaires wanting to send commercial space flights up or people into the atmosphere surely you're going to get your Kanye wests and britney spears and why am i just naming awful pop stars um any kind of celebrity or or rich star from russia is going to potentially start seeing things when they're up there and yeah, that's absolutely. that's the point where the game's a bogey because <clears throat> That, that's it it's done we've all got iphones 
<clears throat> we've all got a high definition camera. Like, you know, if that starts happening and we're filming tic tacs out the window next to the planes, yeah, the ball game's changed. That's it. So once you start putting people commercially into space and into orbit and into atmospheres, like you say, it's the there's so much or so little control any potential shadowy organizations could have over that that we would have to be having more of an open conversation so maybe that ties in a little bit as well that's just something i've, I've thought about a few times um dan this question from it's redacted is very much going to be for you um because the first question while jokey was actually one that's close to your heart was the cinematography beautiful or extremely beautiful astoundingly beautiful I'm going to say it was really moody, high contrast. Um, it, it, it looked like, I don't know if you watch a lot of, uh, you know, Netflix murder documentaries and stuff like that. I've, I've seen more like that is, I'm, I'm not else. massive into the crime genre, but yeah, I, I know the tone. Yeah. It, the the <clears throat> cinematography really kind of showed the weight of what the subject that we're dealing with. It captured it super, super well. Um, I really liked the use of expansive shots when we were kind of opening up in new locations. I thought that was really cool. Made it look very cinematic. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Corbell earlier, actually, because the something I like about Corbell's work is that he showed that you could bring a really high production value to this subject. That I agree very, with. You know, in a very arty way. I absolutely um, agree, Jerry McCoy. And if this didn't come across before... Jeremy Corbell stuff is extremely high production value. I can appreciate it looks fantastic. <laughs> it's just all the added stuff I could do without, you know, long shots of the desert and whatnot. But yeah, I get you. It, it's kind of like the 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 art film compared to this really serious presentation of it. Uh, and on that as well, what were your thoughts on the music choice in the film? We've touched on the tone, but what about the music itself? I like the music. Um, Christopher Hogue, uh, if I'm saying that right, uh, was the composer. He uh, he captured the mystery really nicely. Um, there was one bit towards the end of the film where it was really nice, actually. Uh, Stanton Friedman's name came up as a dedication. Yeah, that, um, was, that was nice. And when it happens, there's like this really low rumbling tone. Um, I don't know if you heard it in headphones. I've watched the film so many times now. This is the kind of stuff that <laughs> is standing out to me. But there's like this really low rumbling tone that I think in the cinema would have uh, would have really kind of people would have felt it in their seats, you know, and kind of noted like, "Oh, who stands for Freeman?" That felt important that moment. Um, but I found a, a fun fact about Christopher Hogue. He scored the very first episode of a uh, House with Hugh Laurie. I didn't know. Nice. That. I like that. I like a fun. F- <laughs> The uh, another couple of questions before we wrap up. Um, now th- this question was asked right at the time it came out, and and we were lucky we saw screeners of the the movie itself anyway, but still went on to to purchase the film anyway to obviously show support. And listen, nothing against how personally anyone is choosing to watch this. If if you've not paid for it but managed to watch anyway, it's a really difficult time for a lot of people financially, so that's totally understandable. Um, this question though. Is it worth buying or would you rent this at later on when it comes out? Do you think people are overly excited about it? Um, sorry, a lot of people are overly excited about the movie and what it means for disclosure. Is that a valid sentiment? I'll let you come in on that one first, Dan. I think for anyone in the community, it's worth buying. 
because we're going to be showing it to people over and over again and lending it to people and stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm going to get my money's worth out of this big time. Um, if you're new to the subject, I'd say rent it. It'd be a shame you're missing the extra features. Um, but the main thing is, is that you watch the film, you understand the subject, you understand the history, and then you kind of have that call to action at the end. I think that's the the important part there. Yeah, I, I would agree. For me, it's it's definitely, you know, it's worth a couple of pounds, euros, dollars, whatever your your currency may be, whatever you are, um, if you can afford that to, to watch it now uh, and support James and what they have done and whatever may come in the future as well. Um, for me, it's it's got to get onto Netflix though at some point uh, or, or Amazon so. Prime. It's got to get onto those sorts of networks. And I, I'd love like a TV network um, internationally to pick it up as well and show it to the masses as much as possible at a decent time slot, not a 1am death time slot or you know whatever they might be when it comes to nielsen ratings and whatnot in the us and all about about those through through my fandom of wrestling through the years right but again getting this out there however possible to people for people to see is going to be really really important i think um and what it means for disclosure i don't think it's played its part yet in disclosure i think right now it's got out there to uh, most of the audience that we're going to watch anyway and like dan says it's slowly sizzling away in the background it's something that i think still to have its big moment whether covid has changed that or not or changed the time frame for that um i, I don't know but i think this is still something that's got its big relevance to come down the line the the way i look at it is that covid might have negatively affected the film in some ways but in other ways we all are now with armed up our copies of the films our friends are sat at home with nothing to do because they're all under, you know, lockdown and various things like yeah. that. So, so send it over. That's it. And again, once you, if you've watched it, and uh, if you want someone to talk about with it, tag myself at UFO UAPAM, tag Dan at Zignal. You know, speak yeah, to everyone. Hashtag it. Make sure you're tagging phenomenon movie. Um, if you're on Facebook, you know you're joining the Facebook pages. James Fox has been really vocal. Um, tell him what you think of it. Review it as well. That's really important. Leave your thoughts on this because that that's how we can get the conversation. Um, kept if, if going. you fancy joining in with uh research as well um in the film one of the new things that came up was uh, a memo about Battelle, um the company who ran a scientific study kind mm. of concurrently with blue book um <clears throat> there is details available in documents in a lot of different documents um about that um and we we need people to be looking over them um, a number of us are trying um i'd recommend get in touch with john at at I want to know uh, 2020 on Twitter, um, and he'd start you off. But um, yeah, everyone's kind of starting to look into Patel, and you can be a part of that if you want to. So come join us, please. Awesome. And uh, the last uh, thing I'll touch on uh, at your thoughts, Dan, um, at the very end of the documentary, Peter Coyote says, We may be sharing this blue green oasis with an unknown other. Emphasis on sharing. This more and more is coming to the forefront that we are not alone on the planet. And I know I've used the Black Panther Wakanda um, as a very loose analogy in the past, but it seems that whether it's a different frequency, dimension, reality, or more openly that we have another humankind, uh, as Lou Elizondo has mentioned before, humankinds on this planet with us, literally walking amongst us. What are your thoughts on that being the end of the documentary? 
it's it's interesting that that's the kind of mic drop moment um especially because this film had to be run past every single person in it and cleared so when you watch this film if you haven't seen it yet when that last moment kind of hits and you you see how amazing that last case is um bear in mind that all of those officials that you've just seen talking about these really weighty subjects had to see it and sign off on it and say yep i'm fine with being associated with that landing and interaction and telepathy at that school um i forgot where i was going no, no. Um, I did actually have one uh, other question, Scott, who is new to the Patreon. Again, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast, got in touch. And he wanted to know, do you think prominent individuals in the UFO field who aren't pushing the phenomenon movie on their social platforms or social platforms are exposing themselves as being in it for their own interests and their own material rather than the ultimate goal of truth and disclosure? I'll answer that one first. I, I, I'll go, go for on. that one, Dan, because I've, I've always keep throwing to you go just on. to give you time to think of an answer to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there is an aspect of probably professional jealousy in there uh, as we have gone about ad nauseum on this podcast. James Fox has done an incredible job with the phenomenon, what it means to a lot of different people and what potentially it could mean in the future. So I've got no doubt there are people who make these sorts of uh, movies and documentaries who are just a little bit peeved it wasn't them that done this um i think then again there are others out there you've got at the minute dr greer again hitting the headlines for the wrong reasons that he has a, a new witness who is coming out to discuss potential or more recent crash retrieval and it's behind a paywall however then it's came out today that potentially and that's through this is through uh, michael mazzola who i interviewed a couple of months ago um, at the karening on twitter who directed unacknowledged um he's came out and said actually no it's going to be free uh when it releases properly but it's just not been advertised that well that to me stinks a little bit of a massive backlash against dr greer and trying to charge for something that really should be free and you know what i've got no issues with anyone especially in the current climate or are doing what we do trying to make a couple of dollars or pounds or whatever for themselves or for production costs or whatever whatever it is they do in the sense that it's an early access for someone or for a few days here's here's a show i mean i do it on this show as well with some of the content but within a few days or at most a week all the content goes on as being free because otherwise it is just a money-making ploy especially when it comes to that's the really important piece of information. If, Dan, it was me and you talking about our thoughts on Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, that's nothing to do. And that's a bit of, I mean, Dan, we're talking about that before we recorded, <laughs> okay? But if it's us discussing something that's purely entertainment-based or our thoughts on UFO movies, you know, and it's nothing to do with disclosure, no sharing our opinions or thoughts on interviews or context or theories, then okay yeah hide that behind a paywall if you want to but when it comes to giving people content that's going to help shape or mold an opinion or get a message out there then that that should be free that do you agree with that yeah yeah um i i you know put it bluntly and say this is possibly the most important development since we crawled out of the water onto land and any information you have that can legally because no one's going to be violating any 
oath, security oath there or clearances or anything like that. If you have information, you can share it. It's your responsibility too. Have you not seen Spider-Man? That's where I would say. Yes. And and like you say, the most important uh, thing to happen since we crawled out, you know, you don't know that someone didn't put us on the land already fully formed and we're part of some big yep. experiment, you know, pecking zoo. That's that's just, you know, Dan's theory and, you know, evolution. You just want to touch my hair. It's, I'm not a pecking zoo. <laughs> yeah, and again, there's all sorts of theories out there, folks. But yeah, for, for me, that's a really good question as well from Scott. And you've got to be liking, sharing, reviewing, talking about. And do you know what? Don't feel you have to go all mushy and lovey. And if you think there was something missing from the phenomenon, which I'll share in a moment, because what I'm going to do to wrap up is ask Dan his overall score out of 10 um, and his thoughts and feelings on the phenomenon a few weeks after release. And I'll give mine as well. Um, but yeah, be honest. If there was something you felt was missing, then feed that back. If you felt there was something you really wanted to see, feed that back. But if you do want to kind of pour your heart out and tell James Fox how much you loved it, get on every review site you can and leave your thoughts it's really really important dan and uh, summarizing uh what were your thoughts then on the phenomenon and what would you give it out of 10 i'm gonna give it uh an 11 out of 10 i'm shocked because you know that's my usual and spinal tap rocked um it it showed to me that there is a very concise clear history that you could prove in a courtroom to do with this cover-up and with this visitation that we're experiencing. Um, it proved to me that a lot of people know, be it officials, commercial airline pilots, so on and so forth, um, and no one's jumped out of a window. Um, no one's in the street screaming. So it's about time we got this done in the right way. Um, and that this information came out. And I think this documentary is a really, really powerful way to to kind of slap newcomers across the face and show them what they've been missing. So you're going with an 11 out of 10, yeah? 11 out of 10, yeah. Awesome. That very much reminds me of every Skinwalker uh, review. That <laughs> and unidentified as well. <laughs> unidentified where the this episode uh, was your favourite and the next episode was your favourite. I think it only happened once that it wasn't. Um, so for me, I'm going to go 9, 9.2 if, if I had to be like round up to 9.5. What was missing for me is it's, un, it's probably a little unfair, but it's just that new piece of footage that would have for me that would have made it a 10 so i don't think anything else is that your expectation though yes as opposed to yes you know if i'm reviewing it objectively it's it's about as close to perfect but again i think there's enough people would say if they could have got just a little something like i'm not i'm not saying the extended nimitz or gimbal footage which we know is out there I just mean, here's another clip or something more recent. That, for me, would have just topped it off. But again, it's it's borderline perfect. For me, it's head and shoulders above anything else that's been put out there. It is the new standard bearer. I don't think we'll get anything better for a long, long time. If ever, on the subject, especially, for me, it almost makes the point of there is now no point in another documentary coming along and covering anything from 2017 or before 
this has covered it off so nicely um, without new information coming out. So for me, yeah, yeah it's, it's a nine at least, 9.5 out of 10. Incredible job, well worth the wait. Definitely go out and support, buy, like, share, review. That's really, really important. Um, incredible incredible bit of documentary making. I'd love James to to make, um, you know, imagine he took a decade per hour long and kind of used his material to do 10 episodes of since, you know, time immemorial um to tell the story i think that'd be really cool but it'd be a proper ufo nerd thing you know it would be for us yeah and maybe that will come down the line folks thank you very much for listening to myself and dan share our thoughts on the phenomenon hopefully it's been well worth waiting on again thank you all for listening to the podcast over the last almost six months or um six months if you're listening to this a little bit more in the future and uh, the ufo news roundup beforehand as well dan thank you for joining me tonight Thank you. Uh, just as a final thing, um, one of James's favorite moments that he had to cut from the film uh, was a sighting in Virginia, Brazil. Uh, I'd recommend having a look at that. I just wanted to kind of leave you with that because it's a very, very cool uh, sighting. Not really a sighting, more. I will leave it on that note as well. Again, folks, thank you very much. Keep looking out on the Twitter at UFO, UAPAM for future episodes. Some really cool content coming out to round up the year and a few specials too. And just on that, later on this week or next week, you should see online some of the previous episodes where we finish off with the quick fire rounds. Some have gone a few minutes, some have gone almost half an hour. I'm going to be condensing those into some specials and compilations to release over the next week or to for you to kind of put together and listen to all on a winner so some really interesting stuff on there that is all for this week's show thank you very much for listening please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform you can like retweet and subscribe that would all be very much appreciated the shows are being uploaded onto youtube as we speak more and more you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that ufo podcast to access the shows ad free as well please get in touch on twitter facebook instagram that ufo podcast of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, UAPAM. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue.
consider your life, consider your eyes. 